0: Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Happy
1: Hour. Oh my gosh. I hope everyone's holidays were good and relatively stress-free. Seeing family isn't always the most fun thing for everyone, so I'm sorry to anyone that had to go through some traumatic holidays.
0: How were yours, Mallory? Were they okay? Are you
1: okay? The holidays kind of sent me into a depression for a little while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just, God. Everything about it is so stressful family, having to see people when you're like socially anxious and having to see people constantly and then trying to figure out presents for everybody. And then I'm a huge procrastinator and I wait until the last second to do everything. So I get stressed out. Nothing bad happened. It's just stressful. Yeah. It's not really a vacation at
0: all. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We had a good holiday. I mean, it was nice to see our family who came into town from Canada and get together with everybody, but I totally know what you mean. Constant Mm. contact and obligation. Yeah. Can be a little heavy, especially when it's your only break. Um, Right. And then you come back to work and you're like, Oh God.
1: Well, that's what made it worse is I actually didn't have a break.
0: I had to work normally (laughs) through the holidays. (laughs) Yeah. I took off time, thankfully, but. Yeah, happy new year. Wow, we're in 2023 now. I have to admit, last year was terrible for me, but hoping this year was great is great. (laughs) Hoping it was great too. Hoping this year will be (laughs) great. I'm positive that it will be, but yeah. I don't know, the last half of the year I just didn't feel like myself. I don't know if it was noticeable on the podcast at all, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting myself right with the Lord. And (laughs) not really,
1: but I'm going to have to persuade you to not do that. (laughs) Just,
0: (laughs) Just, you know, reflecting on how I can take care of myself better and be happy. Yeah. So
1: I am kind of on the same trajectory this whole past week. I have not eaten like shit and I got a treadmill. (gasps) <gasps> and, wow, nice. Yeah. And as you can see, it fits right up underneath my, oh my couch God. so I can walk when I'm not on a call at work.
0: That's amazing. Work. Yeah. That's great. Good first steps.
1: It sucks still, but... Because <laughs> <laughs> all I want to do at the core of my being is just be a fat, disgusting piece of shit. No! Like, that is
0: how my soul
1: feels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're going to emerge on the other side, just happy and slander.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Happy and slander.
0: But yeah, we obviously needed a break from the podcast Mm. to get sorted. But yeah, I I really (laughs) couldn't focus on any... True crime-related content after the Casey Anthony stuff I looked at. So I it was a much-needed break. But I really did miss you. Yeah. And I really did miss recording. And I I missed the whole the whole deal. Yeah, so. I
1: did too. And I missed you too. <laughs> <sighs>
0: um, what a yeah. downer of a beginning. I know, right? Should we just start Not- over? No. <laughs> I'm Ashley. <laughs> I'm Mallory. And today, I think we're just going to do a little chatty conversational update episode. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we'll
1: start with some small updates. I'm going to kick it off with Miss Lori Daybell. So Lori has now claimed in court documents that she has an alibi for when the kids were killed.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: She says that she was in her own apartment in Rexburg when Tylee and JJ died at a nearby apartment where her brother Alex lived. I thought they lived in the same apartment complex. They did, and I'm not sure if this is along the
0: time frame when oh. that was. I can't remember. Also, when I read that, I was just like, I know Alex had died. And I, I guess I just it's been such a long time since I read about the case. He died, he died after, after, the, after them after yeah. the kids. Yeah. And just if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Lori and Chad Daybell. Lori's kids were found buried in his backyard like a couple yeah, years ago. Backyard, so, yeah. yeah, this has been ongoing. Episode six. Okay. We talked about it, episode six if you want to <laughs> hear more about that. That's crazy. But, yeah, so she claims she has an alibi.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So is she insinuating that her brother killed the kids?
1: Honestly, probably because she... Would like to blame it on somebody else. Yeah, well,
0: what a handy fall guy. He's dead, so he can't really defend himself. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which is weird. He died not long after the kids died of, like, just heart problems, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, heart attack. Which is so weird.
1: Super weird. So, yeah, the attorney said that she was with a couple of friends, quote, and or Chad Daybell, which is weird. (laughs) Her attorneys have also argued that she was in Hawaii with other friends when Chad Daybell's previous wife, Tammy, had died. So attorneys for Chad Daybell haven't offered details about his planned defense, other than saying in court last November that Chad and Lori will have what is known as quote mutually antagonistic defenses, which is a legal term that generally means a jury would have to disbelieve one defendant in order to believe the other. That's weird.
0: Yeah. So that can make things fun. Complicated. And aren't they trying to, like, talk to each other to strategize? Like, I've oh, I've read that Lori and um, Chad are, like, trying to get permission t- to yes. strategize. Or, like, talk through their strategy and stuff. It's like, um, what?
1: Yeah, you're right. Because it says that, that she's also asking for permission to meet with him for strategy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. And they're supposed to go to trial in April, so. I don't think that will actually I don't think happen. So either. In all of the updates that we have today, I don't think anything's gonna happen on time. Yeah, nothing ever <laughs> at <was>. all. <laughs> I do have a just a small update about Delphi, just because Richard Allen had a hearing the other day. It only lasted about 10 minutes, and basically. The judge said that she was skeptical that the trial would be on track for March 23rd, which is what we were just talking about, citing that the, quote, extraordinary voluminous evidence in the case that must be turned over to the defense. And I know, I guess on the probable cause affidavit, they only put what's necessary. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, there's voluminous evidence. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) I literally just learned that they don't put everything in the probable cause affidavit.
1: But it's weird because we're going to talk about the Idaho case, too, in a little bit. That probable cause affidavit had a lot of information in it.
0: Yes. And I was just listening to Pretty Lies and Alibis on the way here. It's a podcast that, like, just literally updates constantly on everything. And it's the only way I can keep updated on whatever the hell is happening. She was saying, like, they have to have more. There's got to be more. They wouldn't give everything
1: to the defense
0: to work with. There has to be a lot more.
1: I guess they just needed enough to say, this is why we arrested him. And yeah. This is why we are allowed to arrest him, basically. Yeah. So the judge said that she could not see how the trial could involve Carroll County jurors. So I think they're going to try to move it. She said it would be difficult, if not impossible, to find jurors in Carroll County who have not been involved in the case in some capacity. It's small. Mm-hmm. And it's been five years. I mean, you know, you see pictures. There's a picture of him, for God's sake, in a bar with the sketch mm-hmm. on it in the background like this shit is probably posted everywhere. Yeah. So, anyway, she also said though that she couldn't see a way for the trial to be held outside of Carroll County given
0: the convenience of the witnesses. They really like have him and bulletproof like fully yes. like shackled and it's crazy. Cuz
1: then you see in other cases they're just walking around unhandcuffed. Yeah. And <laughs> So they're going to bring in jurors from an outside county, apparently. So they have a week to agree on a suitable county from which the jurors can be brought in from. And there's a gag order that's in effect. But the both attorneys from both sides can talk about procedural issues. And there's a bail hearing set for February 17th. The judge said that she'll hear arguments during the bail hearing on whether the trial can proceed as scheduled on March 23rd. She also said that there are thousands upon thousands of pages of discovery for the state to turn over to Allen's defense lawyers. So it's going to take some time for them to go through all that. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to happen March 23rd. Yikes. So that's all I had for those two. Okay.
0: I just wanted to let you know. That Mercury is in retrograde. (laughs) God damn it. It has been. And it's gonna keep going until this releases. So I really hope we don't lose this episode somehow.
1: Um, (laughs) Don't say that. I
0: didn't, I guess, well, I haven't talked to you since Casey Anthony episode. I'm talking to the listeners, but when I was editing that episode, my audacity just shut down. Oh yeah. And I could not I could not recover the episode. It was like two and a half hours long and i was just almost done and it could not be recovered and i thought like okay well i guess i'm done with podcasting <laughs> but i updated audacity and it like reappeared it got recovered i cannot I was... believe
1: that cuz when you were texting me when as it was happening yes. i was
0: like well we're either
1: going to have to redo this again or just say we're going on a break now <laughs> yes
0: yeah but thankfully it got recovered By the time this uploads, we should be out of the retrograde. But I have noticed I have had, like, constant technical problems, like, at work. And even just, like, typing texts. I cannot speak English anymore. Yeah. I have so many typos nonstop. Yeah. Thank you, planets.
1: (laughs) I've had a lot of tech issues with work, too. My fucking phone system. Friday, every time I would answer a call, I could not hear somebody. And then I would have to say, hang on, I have a fix somehow I figured this out. I don't even know how I figured it out. But I have to put them on hold and then bring them back and then I can hear them. Ugh. And it was And it doesn't do it all the time, but Friday it was doing it every single fucking call. So I would have to say my whole spiel at the beginning and then I didn't hear them talking. And then I would be like, okay, hang on. I got to fix this. And
0: I'm talking to like dead air. It's really weird. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. Anyway. Well, I don't know if you guys work in Microsoft, but it sucks my ass. I hate it. My company used to use Google, which was pristine, but I guess there's security issues and now we have to use Microsoft and literally everything is ass backwards. Like you have to think like, how would you not want to go about accomplishing your task? And then you have, that's how you do it on Microsoft. So every freaking day of my life, I just want to die.
1: That's really annoying.
0: <laughs> oh, I swear, next episode will be in a better mood. I think <laughs> <laughs> I, we better be. We're just like trauma dumping right now yes.
1: because this is <laughs> half therapy
0: now. session, yeah, <laughs> half podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. I might even need to get up and get another drink before I yeah, go I on can any further. <laughs> I'm gonna get a refill.
1: Yeah, it's time. <laughs>
0: So there was another huge update on a case that we covered briefly. I believe Mallory discussed the story on episode 27. It was the Idaho student murders. Yeah, and it was right after it had happened. So there was not a lot of detail out at that time. Yeah, it had just happened. And, well, things in this case have progressed rapidly while we were on break. And a suspect is now in custody. I'm sure everyone knows this unless you just haven't followed this story. But his name is Brian Koberger. And he's a 28-year-old student currently working on his PhD in criminology.
1: Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bye.
0: Before we get into all that, though, let's cover the case so we're all on the same page. Because we just kind of briefly touched on it yeah, in episode 27. Now
1: we know more details about when things actually happened.
0: Yeah, we have an arrest affidavit. I'm going to kind of weave those details into the story so it's like in chronological order. But mm. we'll talk about the affidavit and everything as well. So the story starts in the early morning hours on November 13th. Four University of Idaho students were stabbed to death in a shared rental home located at 1122 King Road in Moscow. I just learned that it's pronounced Moscow. Oh. Like rhymes with Costco. Oh. Yeah, I think we were saying Moscow. I say Moscow, yeah. Yeah, another podcast I was listening to kept saying Moscow, Moscow, and I was like, why is she saying it like that? And then I found out that's how you're supposed oh. to say it. Oh, So, yes, four University of Idaho students were found stabbed to death at a rental home in Moscow, Idaho. The victims were Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonsalves, Zanna Carnodal, and her boyfriend, Ethan Chapin. Madison, Kaylee, and Zanna were all roommates, and Ethan just happened to stay the night that night, which, oh my God, worst luck. Yeah. There were also two unharmed roommates in the home at the time of the crime. And there was a third additional roommate who was not at the house that night. I can't even imagine. I, this whole time I have not known that there was another roommate.
1: Wait, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I did. But I didn't think about it. Because there's only two
0: that have been like named. Yeah, there was a third, but she just wasn't there. Uh, She hasn't been named at all that I know of. Yeah, yeah. But, oh my God. Can you imagine like. You just happen to miss that. And then your friends are gone. She has got to have some
1: heavy survivor's guilt. Yeah.
0: So earlier that evening on November 12th, Ethan and Xana had gone to a couple frat parties and returned home by 1.45 a.m. Kaylee and Madison, who were best friends, went to a sports bar that night around 10 p.m. and left around 1.30 a.m. From there, they walked to a food truck called Grub Truck and picked up some food and got an Uber home. They arrived at 1.56 a.m. The two surviving roommates arrived home around 1 a.m. and were in their rooms. So everyone was in for the night by 2 a.m. So this house is really confusing, and it took Mm -hmm. me until just today to fully understand the layout and, like, where everyone's bedrooms were. Yeah. It's a tri-level home. So the front door is on the ground level, and there are two bedrooms down there. One of the unharmed roommates stayed on the first floor. The second bedroom was vacant supposedly that would be the, the roommate who was not there at the time of the murders which is crazy we were talking about this earlier this whole time
1: we thought the two roommates that survived were both on the ground level mm-hmm. they
0: made it sound like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: until i guess it was until the affidavit yeah, was affidavit released came out so you go up some stairs and the second floor is where the living room and kitchen are located and there's also a sliding glass door that leads out to a patio there are two bedrooms on this level and one of the unharmed roommates stayed on this level and we'll call her D. Mm-hmm. Zanna and Ethan's bedroom was also on this level. So then there's a set of stairs right by D's bedroom and it goes up to the third level and that has two bedrooms and that's where Madison and Kaylee slept. And D's bedroom
1: is like right next to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's like you walk out the door and you're in the kitchen. Yep.
0: It's like a cross. So, And there are a set of sliding glass doors there as well. Right. And we'll post pictures of this house because it's really hard to understand. But Madison and Kaylee's rooms are upstairs, but they just so happen to be in the same bed that night. So between 2.26 to 2.52 a.m., Kaylee made seven unanswered phone calls to her ex-boyfriend. And Zanna made three additional calls to her ex, which just sounds like two best friends coming home drunk and just, like, trolling their ex-boyfriend. Doing what drunk girls do, you know? Yes. (laughs) Drunk dialing. <laughs> yes. At 4 a.m., Zanna receives a DoorDash order. And this is where we get some new information from the affidavit that was released on January 5th. Right. We learn that sometime after Zanna receives that DoorDash, around 4.07 a.m., D is awoken by what sounds like Kaylee and her dog Murphy. She kind of hears something like the dog jumping off the bed or something like that. She later heard a roommate saying something to the effect of, there's someone here. Dee believed this was said by Kaylee, but investigators believe this might have been Zana speaking, as a forensic download of her cell phone showed that she was on TikTok at 4.12 a.m. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense that she was awake. Yeah. Around this time, Dee hears what she believes to be Zana crying. When she opens her door, she hears a male voice saying something like, It's okay, I'm going to help you. Oh,
1: <sighs> So, Jesus. there's a debate on who said that, though. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Because there was also Ethan there, so it could have right. been him. Yeah. At 4.17 a.m., a security camera from a nearby residence picks up audio that appears to be a whimper and a loud thud along with a dog barking. And this camera was approximately 50 feet from Xana's bedroom window. At some point, and the time's kind of unclear, Dee opens her bedroom door again and sees a man she describes as about 5'10 or taller, Male, not very muscular, but athletically built, with bushy eyebrows. The figure was dressed in black clothes and wearing a black mask that covered his nose and mouth. The man walks right past her toward the sliding glass door, and she immediately just goes back into her room and locks the door, and it's unclear from there what she does for the next several hours. So it's assumed at this point that he has just fled. Right. There's a lot to unpack
1: there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The two unharmed roommates awoke late the next morning around 11 a.m. and tried to wake up their roommates, which they were deceased, obviously stabbed to death. They called some friends over to help them. They thought that maybe one of them was still alive and they just were unconscious. They make a 911 call and that was at 11.58 a.m. Police arrive on the scene and Kaylee, Madison, Zanna, and Ethan were pronounced dead at noon.
1: So just real quick, it's still unclear, like, they called 911 for an unconscious
0: person. I heard that the calls from the campus area, like, surrounding areas of the campus are directed to another town, and they're so overloaded with calls that sometimes they'll just, like, put in whatever they can hit, and usually it's, like, unconscious person to, like, signify, like, maybe it's something worse than that,
1: Uh, Um, that it's something on the
0: 911 operator's part. That makes sense. Now I'm thinking maybe they do that
1: in these cases even if like the person is sure that somebody's dead. Yeah. Just to be able to get paramedics out there anyway yeah. in case right there's somebody alive. Yes,
0: because if they say they're dead then the paramedics might take their time like oh we don't really need right. to. That makes sense. But yeah, I read that that area is just overloaded with calls, so it's common for them to use unconscious person just as a yeah. A description of... there might have been
1: one of those things that got, like, blown out of proportion on yeah. in the media. I mean,
0: we don't have the 911 call. I don't think they said that. Right. So... And I think the
1: surviving roommates have been vilified a little bit oh, as yeah. well. And so everyone's blaming them for, like, little things that they did.
0: Yeah. Also, you have to remember that the surviving roommates were, like, 19 years old. hmm Probably drinking... You know, who knows? Like, their roommates were older than them, probably didn't want to embarrass them if they called the police and it was nothing. Like, I don't know. There's yeah. so many different things. I I don't fault them at all. Nothing could have been done anyway at that point, but...
1: I think even if when Dee saw the intruder, honestly, she may not have even been 100% convinced that it was an intruder mm-hmm. because in the affidavit, it said that the mask he was wearing covered his nose and mouth.
0: Yeah, like a... It could have been a surgical mask. Right. That's like everyone
1: wears everywhere. Yeah. Since fucking COVID. (laughs) Right. So we don't know what type of mask it was. But anyway, at first when I heard it, I was like, why did they wait until the next day
0: to call 911? Yeah. But when you think about it. How do you sleep to 11 p.m.? I don't know. I haven't slept (laughs) that late in so long. That Um, is true. (laughs) But I don't know. It's crazy and it's so sad. So. By 4 p.m., officers and forensics arrived to process the scene. It was determined that all four victims were killed with what looked like a fixed blade knife. I read somewhere, this is not confirmed by police, but I have read that Kaylee's wounds were not consistent with the other four victims. They were a lot worse, a lot more violent. Kaylee's dad said that in the beginning, like he said that to media, and then police had to tell them to shut the fuck up. Yeah, there was an article that I read where they were talking about how hers were markedly different, and it looked like it was personal for her. Their faces were untouched. It was just their torso, and there were also defensive wounds on the hands. There is speculation that Kaylee could have been the target of this attack. Mm -hmm. While investigating the scene, officers find a tan leather knife sheath left behind on the bed beside Madison's body. It had a United States Marine Corps insignia. Forensics would later discover a single source of male DNA on the snap of the knife sheath. On November 19th, police requested the public provide any video of the house that had been recorded the night of the killings. They did a video canvas of the area surrounding the home, and that's when they discovered a white sedan make multiple appearances. It was later discovered that the sedan was a white Hyundai Elantra and the car had passed 1122 Kings Road three times in the early morning hours of November 13th. The car is spotted parking at 4.04 a.m. and then departing at 4.20 a.m. at a high rate of speed. They followed the car through multiple surveillance videos and saw it heading toward another small college town called Pullman, Washington, which is about 10 miles away. And this is another thing that I misunderstood when I got the affidavit or read the affidavit when I heard that they were driving to Washington from Idaho I was like imagining it being like a three-hour drive
1: oh yeah no they're and, like, like, right on the border yes
0: so when I read that it's 10 miles away I was like okay well that makes a lot more sense because I was just like holy shit like
1: yeah I looked at is it Washington State University mm-hmm so when I Googled it the other day, it brought me to Washington State University in Spokane. And I was looking on Google Maps. I was like, where the fuck is Pullman? Where the fuck is Pullman? And I finally typed in Pullman and it was like, meow. it took
0: me like way down oh, wow. south. And I was like, did he commute an hour and a half every day to school? Like that's, I think what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking like. But there's a campus in Pullman. Yeah. I, <laughs> after fully reading everything Down to the detail, now I I understand. This person did not live far at all from Moscow. No, yeah. And it's actually common for people from Pullman to go into Moscow. So the Hyundai was spotted on five different surveillance cameras on the Washington State University campus. Forensic analysts were able to confirm that the Elantra was made between 2011 and 2016, and with that information, the Washington State Police searched the database for a Hyundai Elantra registered at WSU. They got a match for a 2015 white Hyundai Elantra with Pennsylvania plates, and the car was registered to Brian Koberger, who resided at 1630 Northeast Valley Road, Pullman, Washington. It was learned that five days after the murders, Koberger had his license plates updated to Washington plates. So, mm. interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Since he did it after
1: the murders, mm-hmm. if he was doing it to cover it up, like after the fact, he was like, "Oh shit," or if he waited until this point where he knew because it was like time. For yes,
0: his, I thought the same thing. His, plate yeah, his, renewed. his plates were expiring November thirtieth. Yeah. And it's almost like maybe he planned to do it at this particular time. So he would have a good excuse yeah. as why he changed his plates. <laughs> I mean, we know he's not dumb. I mean Well, he is a little dumb. Yeah. We can there's He's a little dumb, yes. but yeah. I mean he's studying criminology and he has a PhD, but like, I don't know. He's not fully PhD yet. I mean, truly if okay, we know there's at least one person
1: that listens to the podcast that's gonna be like you've already tried and put this person in jail in your minds. Um, So I'll say if he truly committed these murders, he did a lot that really just screwed him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He was not smart about this at all. So with that, they pulled Brian Koberger's driver's license and could then see his height, his weight. And it actually matched the physical description given by D. He also had the bushy eyebrows, which is something that she noted. Further investigation led officers to find that Koberger had been pulled over for a traffic stop in August while in Moscow, Idaho. Through this footage, they learned his phone number. As part of the investigation, police were able to obtain warrants to determine if Koberger's cell phone had been in close proximity to 1122 Kings Road on November 13th, between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m. While they found that the phone had not utilized towers around the residence. They did learn that the car was pinging towers consistent with the surveillance footage that night. So as they're following the car through the video, he's also pinging all the towers. So it's Mm -hmm. consistent. Then they learned that the phone was shut off between the hours of 2.47 and 4.48. So around 4.48, the phone pings on a highway south of Moscow. And this is consistent with traveling back to Pullman.
1: But it's weird, though. On the way back, he did sort of a weird... You type. Mm-hmm. He did not go the same way that he came. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he knew he was gonna turn his phone on while he was driving back, so he wanted to be in like a different area. Maybe he can't drive without GPS like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good thought. Maybe he got started and was like, oh fuck, where the fuck am I? And then turned I guess his phone I'll on. Drive and I around. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually probably the most likely explanation now that I think about it.
0: This part is the part that really, really creeps me out. He drives back toward Pullman, but then at some point he makes his way back toward Moscow and cell phone towers ping in the Kings Road residence area between 9.12 and 9.21 a.m. So he returned.
1: The next day. And because they hadn't called 9-1-1 yet, you bet he got there and was yeah. like, what?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. he probably was like expecting to see them pulling out the yes, bodies. But nothing. Yeah, and he was probably just like, what? what, what
1: yeah, going on. I know that
0: probably was so surreal. Oh my God. It's so crazy. Upon further review, it was found that his phone had been in the area of Kings Road on at least 12 occasions prior to November 13th, always in the late evening, early morning hours. So he had been stalking, it seems like. Investigators monitored Koberger outside of his parents' Pennsylvania home, and he was seen multiple times wearing surgical gloves and observed putting trash bags inside of the garbage can of a neighbor. hmm Wearing gloves. On December 27th, Pennsylvania agents recovered trash from the Coburger family residence located in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. It was sent to the Idaho State Lab for processing. The very next day... It was discovered that the DNA profile found at the Koberger residence was a 99.9% match with the DNA that was found on the snap of the knife sheath. An arrest affidavit was signed on December 29th, and the very next day, Brian Koberger was pulled from his parents' home in the rural Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania by an FBI SWAT team, and he is being charged with four counts of first-degree murder and one count of burglary. So that's what happened.
1: And he's had
0: a a hearing or two hearings. I believe it's two. He had his bail hearing. He had his extradition. That's right. So he agreed to be,
1: I guess there's a difference between agreeing to be extradited and then there's some other option where you have to go through a bunch of fucking legal shit. I don't understand it. I don't understand that shit at all.
0: But he, he waived his right to extradition. Yeah. And I heard that. It probably is because he needed to know what information they had against him. Oh, my God. To work on his defense. Ashley. What? When he was being flown from Pennsylvania
1: to Idaho, I'm in a fucking Facebook group, which is cancer in the first place. But I swear to God, I was getting so fucking pissed because everyone in that group was like, why isn't he there yet? It's taking so long. I thought it was only a four hour flight. And they're like in a small fucking airplane and, yeah, it's going to take longer. It goes, like, half the speed as a commercial
0: jet oh to the other side of the country. Like, literally, do you not have a job? <laughs> no, they don't. They are probably laid off for being a oh, little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I am so grateful that we didn't, like, get sucked into that crazy speculation because sometimes it can be easy to, like, want to try and figure something out and... Well, yeah, and
1: I do from time to time, but ultimately logic takes over and you have to think about what's probable, first of all, and if you go down these... I mean, sometimes weird shit happens, yeah, but if every single thing that you think happened is, like, some crazy fucking shit, like, you're you're
0: out there. Like, there's a live stream outside of the grub truck where Kaylee and Madison were getting some food and, like... They were looking at literally everyone in the stream like, oh, this guy's kind of lurking in a hoodie over here. Oh,
1: everyone thought it was
0: Hoodie Guy for a long time.
1: Yeah. It's like, what the fuck?
0: Why? How can you... Because he's wearing a hoodie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh my God. He's wearing a hoodie in November in Idaho? Yeah. For fuck's sake. (laughs) I get... Sometimes there's really good information on Reddit and stuff like that, but for the most part, I get so annoyed at like the stupid crap people post. Oh my God.
1: Yeah, there's so many crazy things that I've
0: read, too. I want to talk about who this guy is. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 go for it. There's lots of stuff that we've learned. Yeah. We said in the beginning, Brian Koberger is a 28-year-old who originally was from eastern Pennsylvania. He was studying criminal justice at Washington State University. According to a former friend called Rich Pasqua, he and Brian used to do heroin together. Did you hear about that? I heard it from a girl that posted a video on TikTok. I saw that as well. Yeah. I guess it was in high school, like high school years. This was actually in a news article that I read this. Rich now is six years clean and working in treatment. But he said that Ryan was a pretty big heroin addict and had been in and out of rehab a few times. Later on, he discovered that he was in school and he figured that he had cleaned up his act. So he was really shocked to hear this news mm-hmm. about Ryan being arrested. He also said that Brian was a quiet guy and didn't have a lot of friends and kind of seemed like he would do anything to fit in. We learned in the police affidavit that last fall, Koberger applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department, Yeah, which is horrifying. That's crazy. In his application essay, he said he was interested in helping police more efficiently collect and analyze technological data and public safety operations. I guess he didn't get the job. I guess he didn't. Koberger graduated from DeSales University in Allentown with a bachelor's degree in 2020 and a Master of Arts in Criminal Justice in June 2022. He also, I found this the day that I guess he was arrested. He had posted a survey on Reddit Mm -hmm. for, I guess, one of his criminal justice classes. Yeah. I took screenshots Let me because it's taken down now. Yeah, just in case you're interested. The Reddit post, it's posted in a subreddit called XCons. He posted in several subreddits, but his username was criminology underscore student. And this was less than a year ago, but he says research participation needed. Hello, my name is Brian, and I'm inviting you to participate in a research project that seeks to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision-making when committing a crime. In particular, this study seeks to understand the story behind your most recent criminal offense, with an emphasis on your thoughts and feelings throughout and your experience. In the event that your most recent offense was not one that led to a conviction, you may still participate. Additional surveys are included after the open-ended section as to best understand your unique traits. The study should take about 15 to 20 minutes to fully complete. And then it's just like some must-be-18 years or older stuff. But the questions... Here's one. Did you prepare for the crime before leaving your home? Please detail what you were thinking and feeling at this point. Another is, after committing the crime, what were you thinking and feeling? How did you leave the scene? Before leaving, is there anything else you did? How did you accomplish your goal? Please explain what you were thinking and feeling. What was your first move you made in order to accomplish your goal? Please detail any thoughts and feelings. Before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? Please detail what you were thinking and feeling. Why did you choose that victim or target over others? After arriving, what steps did you take prior to locating the victim or target? Please detail your thoughts and feelings.
1: I just thought it was weird that he said major move.
0: (laughs) Major move. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I mean, it's weird
1: now that he's been arrested. If he had posted, I mean, he did post that before any of this happened. If I'd read it before, then I probably wouldn't have thought too much into it. Except for the fact that I was thinking, like, if I was a criminal that was reading this and reading these questions, I would have been like, this is definitely the police trying to get me.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he was trying to be the police. Yeah. Yeah. I read some people, you know, speculating. And I also was just thinking myself like, all right, this guy's a criminology student. He actually studied under an author who I don't remember her name, but she wrote a book with BTK yeah. And they're actually friends, I think.
1: Yeah, which everyone started speculating that he had contacted BTK and everything, and then BTK actually said that he but had like, not
0: spoken to him. Is he trying to like put himself be so good at being a whatever he is? What would he be? Like a detective? What do you do when you're when you're a doctor? A PhD uh, of criminology. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is he trying to be so knowledgeable that he the only way he can be so good at his job is to do it himself and get away with it and then like yeah I don't know it gives me my mind hunter vibes a little bit yeah 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 that would be such a stupid reason to put your life in jeopardy but who knows there was also some posts that people had found that he made about did you see them where he was like it's on a support group or something about oh, visual sm- snow, visual snow yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah Huh. And people are saying that may be one reason that he didn't see D when he was walking past her room. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, a lot of people said that it's very dangerous to drive at night when you have that condition, too. And he was driving a lot that night. So
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So he was posting on this message board about this condition called visual snow. And I didn't know what this means, but mm-hmm. apparently it's a form of visual hallucination that is characterized by the perception of small, bilateral, simultaneous Diffuse, mo- What the fuck? This is so long. <laughs> Basically, it looks like your vision is static. Yeah. I guess is how you would describe it. Yeah.
1: He posted on this forum. It was like when he was like 15 years old. Mm. But I think he did it for a while, so it might have been a span of time. Like he got older, too. but
0: So... Brian Koberger eventually goes on and becomes a PhD student at the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology. And he had just completed his first semester, which ended shortly after the killings before his arrest. So, after he allegedly committed these murders, he went directly back to class. And Uh, yeah, and they were talking about the crimes in class.
1: Yes. And well, some people have reported that he seemed more lively after that, but that's hearsay. He was a, I guess if you're a grad student, you get
0: to like teach undergrad kids? Yeah, he was working as a teacher's assistant prior to his arrest. Um, And he
1: would grade people unfairly all the time or something like that. People were complaining about how he would grade. mm. And then after the killings happened, he started magically giving everybody A's. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's also hearsay. (laughs)
0: After he was arrested, several people were interviewed about their run-ins with Koberger prior to the slayings. One person was a man named Jordan Sorolnik. He was 34 and he lives in Central Valley and he was the owner of Seven Sirens Brewing Company. And he says that Koberger would come into the brewery a few times and female staff would often complain about his behavior. He would ask unusual questions Make creepy comments, and as soon as he'd have a few drinks, he'd get really comfortable and ask, like, where they live, like, just questions that weren't appropriate. And on one particular occasion, there was one woman who would not answer his questions, and he got upset and called her a bitch. So (laughs) at this brewery, they have a way to make notes on the clientele, like, if someone – they have an issue with someone. They could make a little note, like, if he ever comes back in, just be aware. Yeah. So the staff put in for him, it said, hey, this guy makes creepy comments. Keep an eye on him. He'll have two or three beers and then just get a little too comfortable. So he came in again after one of the incidents, and the owner actually went up to him and said, hey, Brian, welcome back. We appreciate you coming back. I just wanted to talk to you real quick and make sure that you're going to be respectful this time, and we're not going to have any issues. And Koberger seemed taken aback, and he was just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. You totally have me confused. And he had one beer and then left. Oh, my God. And never came back at that point. So, yeah, he also got pulled over on his way back to Pennsylvania. He was driving with his dad from Washington to Pennsylvania. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So his dad flew out to Washington to drive across the country with him back to Pennsylvania. They were stopped twice by police, and the body cam footage was actually released, I think, for both
0: stops, right? I only saw one of them. Oh, okay. I saw two different ones. I saw two different versions of the same one. Or maybe it's not, because if it was the same incident, maybe... Because one was like the cop was looking at the door handle the entire time. Yes. And then the other other one, we actually see see them.
1: Yeah. In Indiana... You can't follow too closely or whatever. And so they were telling him that's what they were stopping him for. But then people started saying that the FBI had instructed the officers to stop him in order to take a look at his hands. Mm-hmm. Well, later the FBI released a statement saying we didn't do that. <laughs> okay. So, so he's just a really shitty driver. He may just be a really shitty driver, but it's really weird his behavior and at least the one that i can remember now he gets pulled over and then the officer like asks him for his id or whatever and then he asks them where they're going and all brian wants to say is that they are going to get thai food yeah that is it he does not want to reveal any more information and then his dad says oh we're driving to pennsylvania (laughs) and then you
0: see him shoot daggers at his dad (laughs) the entire
1: time his face was like
0: Fuck. Like like, uh, yeah, like really like fuck. I know we're not supposed to talk about people's looks, but he can sometimes look so horrifying to me. He's very severe. Sometimes he looks like a somewhat attractive guy. Other times he looks scary. Very scary. Very, very scary. All of like, the pictures that I've seen, he looks like a different person in each one. Like, which is how they describe Ted Bundy. Like he could become like a chameleon almost. Yeah. But, yeah. Like He was a little heavier as a high schooler like in his earlier high school years, and he lost a bunch of weight. But yeah, he was definitely looking a little nervous in that body cam footage. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's weird to me that the police were not instructed. Now, the FBI says they didn't do it. Who knows if Idaho police Mm -hmm. said, you guys, please pull him over and look Mm -hmm. at this. Because both times he didn't get a ticket. And then they talked about a shooting that had happened Yeah, at Washington State, right?
0: Yeah, they just like randomly brought up that there was this sh- random shooting. And, I and think the cop was
1: like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was such a weird thing like, to bring why up. Why would you even
1: bring that up? I don't know. It was super strange. But I yeah, feel- it's Brian in the driver's seat and um, his dad was in the passenger seat.
0: Not only do I feel bad for all of the victims' families, I feel so bad for Brian's family as well. Can you imagine someone just telling you that your kid is being charged with four stabbing deaths? No. And then the media is outside of their house filming the dad, picking up all of the damage from the FBI storming their house. Oh, my God. He's out there picking up all the garbage, Mm -hmm. and like his son is probably going to be sentenced to life in jail, and he has to live with the fact that his kid did this potentially But he was out there in his Life is Good t-shirt, like such a dad, wearing his New Balance shoes. and Yeah. I was just... I felt sad that people were posting pictures of him.
1: Well, people did that too. Well, now we found out they may not be so innocent, but the laundries as well. They just
0: set up camp outside their house. Well, they felt like... It felt different with them because Brian was with them and they... Yeah. New things. Everyone they,
1: had suspicions that they knew more than they, they were letting on. Yeah, and
0: they would not speak to the other family. It was different, a different situation because they could have answered for what was going on. Mm-hmm. That's another thing we'll have to talk about. They're going to be.
1: There's a civil case, right? Yeah. And
0: those letters.
1: Yeah. The one that Brian didn't burn like his mom said to.
0: Yeah, apparently she had offered to like get him a shovel or I yeah. don't remember. But, oh my God, terrible Yeah. So do you think that he was targeting Kaylee? What do you think this is all about? I mean, this is speculation here. I I think... We don't know if he had a relationship with any of them at this point, whether it being
1: acquaintances or, you know, online or whatever. Mm -hmm. The only information we have to go on is the severe... And that's not even confirmed by police, is the severity of the wounds, which Kaylee supposedly had worse than the Mm -hmm. others. But at the same time, I don't know why he would walk into Xana and Ethan's room and kill them for no reason.
0: I watched a YouTube video about this, and they were kind of trying to figure out how this could have gone down. So, all right, he walks in through the screen door and goes directly up the stairs, and that's when Dee hears the dog. Okay. Okay. Because the dog was
1: upstairs in the other room, right?
0: Yeah, in the other room. So okay. maybe he opened that door knowing that was Kaylee's room. The dog jumps off the bed and he closes the door, goes into Madison's room. Yeah. He murders them. He comes downstairs and Zana's awake scrolling on TikTok. Maybe she ran into him in the hallway and that's what caused...
1: Oh, maybe. I but don't wasn't, know. wasn't she found in the bed or no? I, I thought Ethan yeah. was found on the floor and not in the bed.
0: I think they were in there but like he could have or maybe know. Ethan saw him I don't know yeah one of them I think it was like they must have bumped into each other and they must have freaked out
1: and if that's the case then it makes you wonder why he didn't kill D as well if he's trying to get rid of witnesses mm-hmm. but it could be because of this visual snow thing he didn't even and I said this on Reddit too D's bedroom it's like literally right on the kitchen it looks like it could be a half bath if you're not like yeah. I mean it's right where a it's half bath It's right would on be. the stairs. Like
0: he it's the closest room to like It's a where weird place was. for a bedroom, I think. Yeah. If there's more that they didn't put in the affidavit, like maybe something from Kaylee's phone or some of the victims' phones like I don't know, like Tinder or Oh. Any I don't know, like how does Also, there was some Reddit posts that were supposedly Brian's personal account where he was mm-hmm. making all these comments about OnlyFans models he, and stuff. Yeah,
1: I saw that too. And he
0: was just like very aggressive and like yeah, condescending about women and
1: Did you also see the SoundCloud people dug up? The rap? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight to jail for just that alone.
1: Well, the rap people found because of the Visual Snow thing, he made a comment on the Visual Snow forum Saying that he was going to make a rap about his struggles. <laughs> <laughs> so that rap is about Visual Snow. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. One thing I wanted to talk about is how the fuck, how the fuck did Zana get a DoorDash order at 4 a.m. and his car is out of there by 4.20? And she's on TikTok at 4.12.
0: yeah. How did he do it so fast? Well, think about a minute and think about stabbing for a full minute. A minute is a long time.
1: I mean, I guess I'm feeling like he didn't wait around to check and see if they were dead. No, you know?
0: I think he just fucking went in there and blitzed them. Like,
1: Honestly, my thoughts are that, and this is graphic and I'm sorry, but I really think that he slit their throats because that way they couldn't scream and nobody heard screaming. Um mm. It's hard to stab somebody in the heart because you got a fucking rib cage. The only thing he took time for, I guess, was Kaylee, whatever extra
0: mutilation he did. Yeah, I guess they don't have to give all the details in the affidavit, so we don't know.
1: Yeah, we don't know. But I was just trying to think of, like, what's the most efficient way you could stab somebody and have them die, or at least be silent
0: immediately. Someone, I watched their YouTube video, they put together a timeline Xanna gets that DoorDash order at 4 a.m. And the white Elantra parks at 4.04 on 500 Queen Road. Which so would, he
1: wasn't even, well, I don't know if
0: he ran into the DoorDash driver. Maybe he waited until they were gone. but It would probably take a minute to get to the house. It says, this is not confirmed, but 4.06, Ryan allegedly enters the house. 4.07 is around when Dee hears Murphy upstairs. The dog so that makes me
1: think that he, yeah, he had to have killed Madison and Kaylee first and then killed Zana and Ethan because Zana was on TikTok at 412.
0: 412. So she, this YouTuber is predicting. So 406, he enters the home. 407, D hears Murphy upstairs in Kaylee's room. 408, 409-ish. D hears someone say someone is here and opens her door for the first time. 408 to 412, Kaylee and Matty are killed. 412, Zanna's TikTok is active. That's accurate. Although we don't know if she's actively on it or if it's just on her phone. Just like laying yeah, there. Yeah, it could
1: have been because I noticed the other day when I was on TikTok.
0: It'll just keep going and going.
1: Well, I have I have a fucking hour timer set on mine where I have to enter a code if I want to keep oh, wow. watching it. So Because I'll sit there and do it all day. Oh, wow. I'll, anyway. Anyway. I won't defend myself, but. (laughs) (laughs) So I noticed even when I have it sitting there, like paused on a video, like if I'm watching it in between calls at work, Mm -hmm. the timer keeps going because it'll pop up with the, the code thing, even though it's been paused for like five minutes. Is
0: your phone like still, like, is the screen still on? Yeah. Hmm. So it wouldn't
1: have been five minutes,
0: but. (laughs) So. 4.12 4.12 to 4.14, this person is speculating that D hears crying and a male voice say, it's okay, I'm going to help you. That's when she opens the door for a second time. Then 4.12 to 4.17, Xana and Ethan are killed. Probably, like, runs into them coming down the stairs. 4.17 a.m., this is, like, already, this is confirmed. Neighbors' audio picks up whimpering, a dog barking, and a loud thud. And then 4.17... Around then, D opens the door for a third time and sees a male in black walk toward her and out the sliding door in the kitchen. So. And this is all just their speculated timeline. There's a few that are confirmed, confirmed, but the red are like. Okay. They don't know. Like, D wasn't looking at her phone when she's hearing all this. So it's like, you can't really know. But he's only there for 15 minutes, maybe.
1: I mean, it sounds insane to me. But I mean, I guess you're right, like. It doesn't take that long to jab a
0: knife into somebody. And if you were to do it over and over for, like, a minute.
1: I guess I'm just, like, so affected by, like, TV shows where you, like, see somebody that's, like, killing somebody and then they want to either torture them for a while or make sure they're dead or, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And he just seemed to be like, yeah, let's just get it done and let me leave.
0: Well, because of hearing the dog so early on, it almost seems like he had gone directly to... Kaylee's room, she wasn't there, and then that spurred like a chain of events.
1: Yeah, he made like Oh, fuck,
0: the bo- dog's barking. Let me fucking
1: get the fuck out of here.
0: My, of course, I have no idea what I'm talking about. This is just.
1: Yeah, whatever. we're speculating now, but.
0: So. Yeah, I think that covers it.
1: There's much more that people are saying online that just isn't confirmed, and people being fucking idiots at this point that I don't want to acknowledge here. Um, yeah, it makes
0: me even like feel weird even, like, having my own thoughts about it. I kind of don't even want to talk about my own thoughts just because of how many other people are... Yeah, but your
1: your own thoughts are not wild, like...
0: (laughs) I'm not, like, fucking going after people and...
1: Exactly. You're not doxing anyone or... Yeah. I don't think you're going overboard. And we're just speculating and we're allowed to do that, so...
0: Well, that's all we have for this little baby episode... Next time, Mallory is going to bring the goods. And <laughs> I would like to give a shout out. We have some new listeners. Thank you for Yay. listening. My mom told some colleagues about <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> they reached out on our Facebook group and said some very nice things. So we also got a, uh, finally got another review on Apple Podcasts, and it was nice. Yay. So that made my day.
1: Kick that one star out of the <laughs> yeah. top spot.
0: Yes. So if you don't already, why don't you follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. We like to talk to you guys, Mm -hmm. post whatever you want and leave us a review. If you have nice things to say, if not, if you have constructive criticism, let us have it via our email address, (laughs) (laughs) rabbitholehappyhour at gmail.com. We're sorry it took so long to bring you a new episode. We have full-time jobs and mental health problems. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what to say. Mental <laughs> health issues
0: <laughs> and lives, and but we love doing this, so we want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, we love you, and we will talk to you, or we will talk to you later. <laughs> well. <laughs> We will see you in two weeks, okay? (laughs) Yeah, we'll
1: see you in two weeks, so. Have a good Martin Luther King
0: Day, please. Yes, please enjoy your Martin Luther King Day. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs)